Hello and welcome to the PHBC Pastors Podcast, where we seek to bring biblical and pastoral insight to everyday issues for the people of PHBC. That handsome man over there is Brian. Yeah, are you trying, are you trying to get me to make a conversation? I was yes, uh, hoping, okay. vainly and without, yeah. So. And that handsome man there, there is also is Brian. Something to put in the diary for tonight. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, friends. We are continuing our Christmas Bible study series. Today we are in Luke chapter 2. So if you have the Word of God before you, uh, as we hope you do, go ahead and open up to Luke 2 and we'll uh, read from there. If you missed the last few weeks, I encourage you to go check them out. We began our series looking in Matthew 1 at the genealogy of Jesus, so kind of, you know, where does he come from? And then this past week, we looked at the foretelling of Jesus' birth. Uh, Angel Gabriel visits Mary and tells her the wonderful news of what is to come. And now we're going to fast forward a bit to that news coming to be coming to light. So I'm going to read uh, the first seven verses of Luke 2. We'll see how far we get. If we get further, great. If not, we'll, we'll hang out here. But here we go. Luke 2, 1 to 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also, also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the, ta- the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. In the end. My apologies. So, it happened. This is the Christmas story. I don't know if, if your family has this tradition, but for us, we read this every Christmas day. It's great. It's fun. There's weird words. There's historical d- details. There's so much to go through it. So, uh, uh, PB, what, what's this deal about a census and this registering the whole world from Caesar Augustus? Can you just help us flesh that out a bit and what's what's going on there to set the stage for this passage? Well, a census would be just a counting of people, so it would be very similar to what we do every 10 years here in our country, um, except there wasn't a postal service to deliver all of these um, to all of the people of the Roman Empire. So the whole world here would be referring to the entire Roman Empire, wouldn't be referring to, you know, they're not sending a census people to Asia and to, and to Africa and everywhere else. Well, parts of Africa, because it would have been part of the Roman Empire. But um, they're just trying to get a, a, a handle on how many people are in the are in the Roman Empire, and and so one of the ways they would do this is people then would travel to their uh, hometown, so to speak, yeah. to, use, to use that language. They would travel to their hometown where they're from, um, and that's where they would be counted. And so Joseph, his hometown, because he was of the lineage of David would have been Bethlehem and so they would have then traveled to Bethlehem uh, to take part in that census uh, to be properly counted um, in the empire. Yeah, so we, we see that in verse 4 that Joseph was in Nazareth in Galilee but he goes from Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem which again that important detail the city of David and as you mentioned, Joseph being from the lineage of David, we saw that clearly in the genealogy. And then also last week in Luke chapter 1, where uh, Angel Gabriel um, points out the lineage of Joseph to David and then applies that to Jesus himself, who will inherit David's throne 
the different David, difference, David held that throne for about 40 years. Jesus will hold that throne forever and continues to hold it to this very day. Um, well, one other thing I think is interesting about this is at the end of verse 2 that this registration was the first when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Seemingly a, an insignificant detail, but I find it fascinating that Luke goes out of his way to include that. And so we, we see in the introduction to his gospel that Luke is going after eyewitness accounts. He is going for a detailed, he is going for a particular, he wants to show that what he's writing is true. And by adding little side details, nothing would have been lost by not including this, but by including it, it to me just adds so much more what's the word, reliability, shows the validity of what Luke is writing, that this is true, and he's gone out of his way to show the truth and the veracity of this claim. So just all that to say, we can trust the word of God to be true. Any other thoughts on this uh, introduction to this passage, Pastor Brian? No, I think that was well said. That's, yeah, Luke, Luke said about to uh, give us an orderly account of what happened, and this helps to set it in historical detail. This is also where we, um, because these things we know of from extra biblical sources, meaning sources that are outside of the Bible, we know that, uh, that there was a man named Caesar Augustus who mm -hmm. reigned, and we know that there was this governor um, of, the, um, of the region and there in Syria. So we know who these people are, and we know roughly when these things happen. And so we can um, then, by using those sources, we can guess for example, the birth of Jesus probably happened around 4 B.C., mm -hmm. uh, so not at 0 B.C. that um, a lot of people say, well, he was born, you know, at, you know, he was probably around 4 B.C. is when the um, birth actually happened. And, um, and so but we can know that because of um, strong historical details like these. There you go. But Joseph doesn't go by himself. He goes with Mary, his betrothed. Pastor Brian gave us a wonderful picture of what betrothal means. It's not just engaged. It's far more significant than that. And she is with child, which in and of itself, if that's all we're getting, that's a scandalous <laughs> claim. His betrothed is with child. Now, we already know how she became with child, so all is fine and dandy there. But um, for the outside looking, outsider looking in, um, a bit scandalous, and we see Matthew um, unpack Joseph's side of things in, in his telling of the Christmas account. Um, but Joseph and Mary, with Jesus in the womb, make their way to Bethlehem, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. The Christmas story has happened. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, there's a... so. I think there's some concerns that there are with our kind of prevailing cultural understanding of this part of the narrative. So I want to just unpack some of these things. Pastor Brown, what, what does it mean that she wrapped him in swaddling cloths, put him in a manger, because there is no room in the inn? You want to unpack any of those things just from your understanding, your study of this story, of this passage? Well, she... Um, so it would have been very, so very common in... In the first century, as far as when a baby was born, you want to you, you wrap the child up tightly, and um, uh, if you will, almost like an, an artifact. You figure that the baby is wrapped up very tightly in the womb, and so it's almost a, if you will, when the baby is born, it's in an artificial womb, if you will, there to you keep go. the baby warm um, and to keep the baby secure. And so the baby is 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 wrapped up. He's laid in the manger, 
Um, you know, when I was when I was a little boy and I read read the story, I always thought manger was just another word for like a bassinet or something. That's what <laughs> that's what I thought a manger was. I was like, oh, that's a manger. That's where you lay a baby. Uh, but no, a manger is a feeding trough, and mm-hmm. so that's so they're they're laying Jesus. Um, it's it's not you know. Mary and Joseph forgot to bring their pack and play with them <laughs> to Bethlehem, and so they had to put him in a, in a feeding trough instead of the pack and play, and um, and so they they lay him in the manger. Um, there's no place for him in the inn. Sometimes we have this idea that oh well the Holiday Inn was full, yeah, um, or you know there was no they they didn't leave the light on for him <laughs> at the Motel Six, and and so but the idea here is more likely uh, what was happening is. This would have been, uh, they, they were in a place where in the, in the first century many houses would have, would have a place for the animals to stay uh, inside, um, hence a manger, and, and so there was, there was no room for them to stay um, where, where the people were staying, and so they, were, they would have stayed in the place where the animals were, was left for the animals, and that's, that's where they were staying and so it is a rather um, uh, inglorious no that's not a word is it so it's, it's not a it's not a very um, like uh, startling way to enter the world mm. you know it's it's not well here's this king yeah let me let me put him in the very best of circumstances no here's this king um, he's going to be uh, Put in a manger in a feeding trough. It's a humble, humble. That's a good word. Go. Um, it's a humble beginning yeah. uh, for the king. I appreciate all that, and the the reasons, well, two reasons I wanted to, to highlight on highlight this. First, again, I, we want to be careful not to allow our cultural assumptions or even our imaginations to overrule the story of scripture. So it's it's easy, and we can recall, you know, the cartoons or the the videos where you know Joseph and Mary knocking on every door, and they all the innkeepers say, "No, we're book solid. Don't you know there's a census going on?" And then one little one, well. We do have this barn out back, and it looks just like a you know 1800s Amish barn, and and I, we just want to be careful not to allow our understand our imagination to influence scripture. We need scripture to in fact influence us. And the second thing, one thing I know I want to be careful of not being guilty of myself is to make the circumstances of the birth the most humbling aspect of the birth. That oh well you know if if he had been born you know, in a inn or in a room with, you know, more standard accommodations, it would have been a perfectly normal birth. But because he had to be born next to those cows and those sheep, that's what made this a humbling thing. No, dear listener, God himself was born. That is the humility. God has been made low, has taken on flesh, has been born. And for those who have either given birth or been present, it's not a pretty sight. It is hectic and they're screaming and it's crazy and so that is the humbling aspect that god himself has been born and certainly that the circumstance do, do you think mary had an epidural i, I don't know if there was maybe you know the ducks comforted her okay. um but i don't think they had such such remedies back then okay um, just, just for the record yeah i think you're right on that one but evidences of co- god's common grace between now and then that we have such things so glory be to god but so just, just want to be sure that we allow scripture to influence us and not to think that the fact that he was born in these particular circumstances that that's what makes this a humble birth no the fact that it was god the king of the universe being born that is the humbling component 
far more than any circumstances. Um, any other thoughts on uh, on this passage in particular? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Well, so then let's hop real quick just to, to Matthew 1, um, where we, so we were in Matthew earlier. Uh, just want to touch on a few of the details of Christ's birth in Matthew's gospel. So let me just read um, verses 18 to 25, and we'll just see kind of similarities and differences. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Uh, when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So very interesting to me that Matthew doesn't give us these details that Luke did. He doesn't tell us about the census. He doesn't tell us about the lack of room in the inn and the uh, laying of the child in the manger. He focuses much more on Joseph's side of things and then tells us that he was, in fact, born and named Jesus. Um, so, Pastor Brian, we got a few minutes left. Um, anything you want to pull out from, from this account of the birth of Jesus? Well, as we talked about last week, um, here the, the betrothal being very much like legal marriage. He speaks here of her husband, Joseph, mm -hmm. being a just man unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Again, they're, yeah. they're betrothed at this point. Um, they're, they're not... Uh, the marriage hasn't been consummated at this point, and so just again to reiterate the um, the seriousness of a betrothal, what what that meant in that society, it wasn't again. It was much much more than just a, an engagement. Um, but to say that um, to to reassure Joseph uh, to understand his predicament, if you will would be to, you know, that here is this man who's uh, his betrothed, is the woman that he's going to marry. She's with child. And uh, re you'll recall that last week when the, the angel appeared to Mary first to tell her how she was going to, the angel hadn't, hadn't yet appeared to, to Joseph. And mm -hmm. so Joseph, being a, just a flesh and blood human being, um, is going to wonder, you know, well, he's not going to wonder. Actually, he's going to think, She's pregnant, and that only happens one way. Yeah. And and so um, it's just a kindness of God to to appear to Joseph as well, um, and to let Joseph in on the um, on the process of what what's happening uh, to his betrothed. And then we see something of the character of Joseph uh, when when well we see it actually even before uh, yeah. before that yeah. that he's you know, he, he he's not willing he doesn't want to shame Mary. Uh, because legally, he would have had the right to take her to the to the, to the city and for them to stone her to death um, for such uh, uh, supposed sexual impropriety, um, and so he doesn't want he doesn't want that to happen. But then, after the angel appears to him um, again, that language do not fear, mm. um, but uh, he he is now uh, willing to to take her as his wife. Um, and in later to con 
to consummate uh, their marriage after the birth of Jesus. And so uh, speak something of the character of Joseph. No, that's, that's good and, and helpful. And so one, one last thing that I'll, I'll pull up before we wrap it up. I, we get two names for Jesus here in this passage, of course, Jesus, and then the uh, end of verse 23, Emmanuel. And these names reveal to us who he is and what he does. So Emmanuel, which means God with us, points to the fact that Jesus is, in fact, God in the flesh, God who has become incarnate. Um, so I'm not usually a fan of the message paraphrase of the Bible, but uh, I, I think it's interesting how he puts it in, in John 1, uh, the word, took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. So here we have God himself coming to dwell among us, be with us. That's who Jesus is, God himself. And then what's he going to do? Well, we're going to call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. And so here we see, even at the very beginning of Jesus' life, um, Jesus was born to die. And that is why he came, that is why the Father sent him, so that he might bear our sins on the cross, granting us freedom from them, forgiveness from them, that we might live with him. Anything else you want to pull, pull any threads you want to pull on before we wrap it up today, PB? No. So, um, thank you for joining us, listeners. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying this Christmas Bible study. We've got a few weeks left, so don't go anywhere. Hang tight, and we'll uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for listening. This has been the PHBC Pastors Podcast.